I would say in full on honesty, I have been treated better by the pro-choice black community than I've been treated by the pro-life community as a whole. Welcome to the Dear Jane podcast. Today, we visit with Sherilyn Holloway, the founder of Pro-Black, Pro-Life. We discuss the pro-life movement's lack of progress in the black community and how we can change that. We're also going to look at the strong role faith plays in the black community, but at the same time, the strong support for abortion that exists among blacks. All that and much more coming up in our talk with Sherilyn Holloway from Pro-Black, Pro-Life on Dear Jane. Sherilyn, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, Sherilyn. So you are a strong black woman who is staunchly pro-life. So one of the first questions that I want to ask you and wanted to ask you since we had our time scheduled is why aren't there more Sherilyn's in the world? Oh, gosh, I think there are. But I think that they're afraid to step out um, because they're afraid of what people will think or what other boxes people will put them in. I've never really fit into any boxes. <laughs> and so um, kind of like deconstructing whatever someone else, you know, assumes of me based on one opinion or one value has always been something I've been able to do very easily and very quickly. But I understand that that's not easy for everyone. Um, and people don't always like confrontation, right? Like who wants to have terrible conversation at Thanksgiving and Christmas every year because, you know, you're the one or two people in your family that issue <laughs> a different way and uncle so-and-so says something off color and now you gotta like, oh, now I gotta say something. <laughs> um, and I think, so I think that's more what I've found. It's not that they, there aren't a lot of women or individuals like me. It's just that learning how to use your voice in a way that is productive and moving the conversation forward as opposed to um, stunting conversation, the stunting growth in relationships. I think that's the challenge. Uh, it leads to the question, and you said, you know, they're scared of or they're hesitant to, at least to the, the larger questions, why aren't there more pro-life advocates or why isn't the pro-life movement doing better in the Black community? Uh, messaging. Um, and for the same reason why the black community doesn't want to be called pro-life, you know, um, you're, when you're messaging, you're saying one thing and your actions say something else, right? Um, I always say nobody thinks about abortion and, you know, as much as we do in their normal life, unless they're pregnant, they know somebody's pregnant, right? Like they're thinking about other things that are affecting them immediately. And so when you do get to hear someone who's, you know, pro-life, it's on the news or, you know, somebody made a movie or a documentary and you're only getting one version. And if you see that person, and let's say you go to their social media or, you know, and you see a bunch of stuff that is like opposite of what <laughs> you, you know, value or think or how you see the world, um, it, it, it's not consistent, right? And so I think that what the Black community has been looking for for like for the last 400 years is consistency. Um, and if they don't find it in a place, they walk away. And so I can hold my pro-life values to myself, but you may not hear me talk about them or, you know, see me at a march or see me, you know, at a conference or something like that because it's not consistent with these other things that I view. Um, and so I think that that when we look at the messengers who have been allowed um, to um, kind of create the narrative around what it means to be pro-life, 
they haven't always spoke well into the black community and it that has just been how then the black community paints a picture of pro-life altogether are you talking about political types i'm they're political um there are some other you know pro-life advocates that have said things that um were anti-black and the funny part about that though is I feel like they are we hear more about those than the average person right um like when we pro I did a um some interviews when I first started this and talking to people like why you know can pro-life ever not be political and every single black woman I interviewed um who were all on different sides said no that they see it as a political issue and it shouldn't be a political issue and but that is the way we've crafted this, right? So if we craft the issue as a political issue, um, and this is only one part of my political stance, and everything else is something different, then it's not consistent. And so I think it's the same across both, you know, parties. But do you have to be able to take this out of the political realm? And if you can't have a conversation with someone or a community or an organization where you're like this, we're taking this out of the political realm and we're going to put it right here in your lap, right here in your community and talk about it from this standpoint. They're more ready to listen because then they their ears are open to what does this actually look like? How does this really affect my community? But that's not how typical people get their information. Um, typically, people get their information from the news or from TV or from social media. Right, right. So are you saying that they're hearing it from from they're hearing the pro-life message from hypocrites, basically? Well, what they see as hypocrites, right? Like I know people who are saying the pro-life message and they're not hypocrites. I also know some that are. <laughs> so, you know, like if it's not it's one thing to say, you know, we value life in the womb. Um, but if that same person is, you know, saying that they value life in the womb and, you know, why aren't the why isn't the black community enraged by the abortion numbers? And then, you know, when the, when George Floyd was murdered, saying given all the reasons why he didn't deserve to live, like his criminal background, like that's not consistent. And, you know, so now like you don't really care about the black community, like you care about your agenda that just so happens, you know, we just have so happen to be the biggest numbers in that. But those are inconsistent. And so we see that, like we see that. And those are the things people share, right? Like even, you know, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, I know who was on my friend list on social media who's pro-choice. And so when you see the things they're sharing, I'm like, that is, that's not even true. Like, well, that's not even true. But this is how they're getting their information, right? And so if that stuff is being shared over and over and over again by certain people, like that is that is your picture of what it means to be pro-life. As I think about some of my black friends throughout the years, now, a lot of my black friends have come through the church. I've met at church, that sort of thing. But as I think about a lot of my black friends, there's been a lot of one common thread. They're all faith-based. They've been they've had a strong faith base. But yet again, you look at the black community and you look at the poll numbers, that sort of thing, and they are they are pro-choice. There is a disconnect there. You look at the Pew research numbers. Uh, 66% of Blacks are Protestants, and another 6% are Catholics. Yet, 66 of those, 66% of those Black Protestants are pro-choice. Where's the disconnect? I understand that you just because you go to church doesn't mean you're pro-life. I understand that. But where is that disconnect? I think it has a huge thing to do with being personally pro-life and publicly pro-choice. 
And so what I have found, especially with my Black Christian friends, is that they always like, I wouldn't make that choice. And I wouldn't want the person that I'm dating or married to to make that choice. But I don't believe that I have the right. And again, we go back to things being legal or illegal. And I, because we've painted that in that, those pictures, you know, I don't think I have the right to say this thing should be illegal because I personally disagree or because my faith disagrees. And, and so from that standpoint, right, I typically will say, okay, got it. So you feel like you don't have the right to tell somebody else what to do. Yes. So how are you helping someone who doesn't know what to do? Like, how are you helping someone who comes to you and says, I'm pregnant, I really want to keep this baby, but I can't because of these reasons. How are you helping that person? How are you, what message are you sharing in your church that says like, you know, even though I am, I believe that this life has value. I believe that yes, a woman has three legal choices, but how can I help you make a choice that you won't regret and that won't have negative effects on you for the rest of your life? Whether that be physical, mental, but even spiritual, right, from a church's standpoint, I think that that is the disconnect. I think when people see that word, are you pro-life or pro-choice, they are literally thinking about it from a political, a legalizing standpoint. That's where they're seeing, because that's what they have heard, right? Like to be pro-life means that I am Republican. I support, you know, this president, I, you know, and these, um, uh, I forget what you call them, pundits, like I support, these are the people I support because I check this box, right? And a lot of those people aren't speaking to us. And so I don't want to check those boxes. <laughs> I don't want to check them boxes either. But, you know, to I've had to, I've had to wrestle with that fact that other people don't get to define for me what pro-life means. And so that's what we do, you know, with pro-black, pro-life, you made the comment, like, we're going to have a conversation. I'm a bridge builder. That's the gift that God has given me. And that's why this is so easy for me. And there's a, my board is filled with bridge builders. Uh, my circle is filled with bridge builders. So I know that there are individuals out there that are that have these conversations that are, you know, trying to cancel people and want to hear, like, tell me your thoughts so that we can debunk things, but then also so we can have a conversation. But with that, I'm also a bridge builder in my own community. So I can have these conversations and say, yeah, you know what? That person doesn't represent. I feel the same way about that person that you feel about that person. Like, I don't feel like they represent my community. I don't feel like when they're talking, they're talking to me. You know, just because we share this same, this one value doesn't mean we're the same. And once that kind of barrier gets broken, it's, it's almost like a weight has been lifted. They're like, oh, you're right. And again, they may not start posting pro-life stuff on their social media like the next day. But they're still having conversations. They're still reaching out to us saying, okay, I just had this conversation with my aunt. This is what she said. What would I say to that? I mean, I get this all the time because they're trying to find their footing in a place where pretty much the bottom has now just fallen out. And they, they, they hold these convictions, but they just have never been able to articulate them in a way that they felt like they wouldn't be attacked. And so I feel like when that question is asked, it's asked in a legalization way. Do you feel like it should be legal or illegal? I, what I hear you saying is, uh, you know, that I'm not prepared to to join that team and all the other things it represents just for this one pro-life issue. Right. And, and that makes sense to me. And because it has, you know, I mean, the issue has become, I mean, pol politics in general has become my team versus your team. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's become spectator sport. And so many, I mean, you, you know, you, 
we we pick our teams and it becomes you know rooting and become so passionate about it and and everything else i mean it really has become like sports yeah. um yeah yeah that's exactly right so you mentioned before how you think people are afraid to speak out it's probably then similar for um i mean there we know that there are pro-life black pastors out there they're probably afraid to speak out too then no i just think that they're not doing it in the way that white evangelicals wish they would and so they're told like well they're not saying anything well i always ask questions like well how many times have you been in their pew like well they're not publicly saying anything well they're public their witness is to their congregation (laughs) that's who their witness is to not to you and so again if a pastor who has a congregation and he speaks about life from the pulpit or talks about the grace that comes with, you know, having made an abortion decision and the forgiveness that comes with that and has those conversations within his church, but is not willing to, you know, go on Fox News or go, you know, on be on Turning Point or whatever because of what that may represent to their congregation right? Like that may not be the best thing for him to do for his congregation. Um, And so that doesn't make him less pro-life because he's not doing things the way the world or, you know, the white evangelical space feels like they should be doing it. I have found from my own experience and from my own trainings that there are so many pastors that are pro-life, but their issue is, yes, I'm pro-life, but right now I've got you know, so-and-so over here who can't pay their electric bill and Lord forbid she gets pregnant because that'll be her fourth child. And I, we don't know if we have the capacity to help her. Right. And so like, we're trying to figure this out on the ground while everybody up here is arguing about it and fighting about it. So we have other concerns that align with this issue that we also need to deal with in our pews. And so, you know, that what that looks like is you can come to me and talk about being pregnant and I'm not going to tell you you should have an abortion. I'm going to try to find your resources in order for you to make a choice for life. Like all that's going to happen. We want all that to happen, right? We want all those relationships to happen. But what I have found in this particular space, a bit, you know, pro-life space, is that I've watched white evangelical pastors attack the black church because they're not doing things the way they think they should, which is appropriation, right? Like, you don't get to tell me how I do things. I'm going to do things how I'm going to be effective. And so what you don't see doesn't mean it's not happening. Okay. But what is your experience, your personal experience, um, being a pro-life? I mean, have you been um, demeaned, shouted down? Because here's what I'm getting at. I have seen pro-life Black politicians belittled, um, shouted down, um, that sort of thing. I, I'm wondering if what's your own personal experience? Um, how have you how have you been treated in the black community because of your pro life stance? I would say, in full on honesty, I have been treated better by the pro choice black community than I've been treated by the pro life community as a whole. And it's I, I, I'm willing to put it out there because of consistency. So when I see people attack pro-life politicians, like I will tell you the one politician, I'll give you an example of a pro-life politician that I that I have never seen attack. Um, and that's Katrina Jackson out of Louisiana because she's consistent. She's a pro-life Democrat and she's consistent. 
And I think that's the issue, right? The issue is, is that you can be pro-life on this one issue, but if you are not advocating for your com- for what's best for your community in your position, right? Then people aren't going to feel like you're for them. People are going to feel like you've taken this stance in order to align with this particular party and not to align with us. So even though we share the same skin color, doesn't necessarily mean that you're in my community. Just because, you know, there is a uh, a black government official, that don't mean they live where I live. That doesn't mean that they, you know, and we've heard all the stories like, oh, I came out of poverty and we get it. We understand. But if you aren't actively doing anything, even whether it's called policy or um, policy making, policy agreeing with, signing off, supporting, that actually is helping where the majority of the Black people are in your community, right? And I'm not talking from a national standpoint, from your community, then people are not going to see that as consistent and they're not going to trust you. And so that pro-life stance is just like, like I said, it's just like a check in a box. And you're not seen as necessarily someone who's helping them. And I think for me, when I go and have these conversations in my community, I'm I'm saying things like, what's happening, you know, on Broad Street? Like, oh, you know, these these buildings. I'm like, do you know they're giving out $40,000 grants for businesses to come here? Like, they're like, what? Like, I know this information. So regardless, the fact that they all know I'm pro-life, that's not, when I come walking in, <laughs> they just don't say like, oh, there's Cheryl in the pro, you, she's pro-life, she's gonna come here talking about abortion. <laughs> I might, <laughs> but they also know I'm full of a wealth of knowledge of what's going on, not nationally, but in the world that affects you know, Black people as a whole. I can also connect deep history and not just Margaret Sanger, deep, deep history, um, Black history to where we are today and where we're going to be going. And I think that's the difference, right? And so people want to make connections. They want things to make sense. And they know that I'm not just there, you know, saying these things because I want, you know, a vote. I don't, I'm not in politics. I don't need your vote. (laughs) I don't even need you to like me. Like, I don't even care if you like me. I think I'm just blessed that some of that people do because I'm authentic, right? Like if people ask me why I have the views, I can tell them a myriad of reasons why I'm pro-life from my own experience to my biblical values. Like I can, there, I can reach it from every, every angle, but every time they come back at me with what about, what about, I can say, you're right. That should really should be addressed. You're right. That re- I don't try to punt or kick it somewhere else. Like, well, it doesn't matter. Maternal mortality rate doesn't matter if the baby's not born in the first place. Well, it kind of does. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, because my responses aren't that way, you know, aren't linear, but more circular, I think I can engage more. And so I tend to have uh, just more success in the realm of those who don't outwardly think the same way I do. What a condemning statement. I'm I'm still hung up on what you said originally, that you are treated better by the pro-choice community than some in the pro-life community. That's that's crazy. All right, we got to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about, uh, we're going to talk more with Sherilyn. We're going to talk about how the pro-life movement should move more beyond just abortion and it moves beyond birth. We'll do that when we come back. Choose Life Adoptions is a full service marketing agency with a mission to help adoption agencies 
reach expecting mothers and single parents ready to place their babies into the hearts and homes of loving families. Through a variety of marketing services, they craft individualized strategies to meet and exceed adoption agency goals. Whether your agency needs to create a new website, appear at the top of Google search results, or establish a social media presence, Choose Life Adoptions can deliver results. Learn more about their services by visiting ChooseLifeAdoptions.com and begin elevating your marketing to increase successful adoption outcomes. We're back with Sherilyn Holloway, the founder of Pro Black Pro Life, and we're talking about the uh, pro life movement in the Black community. and And Sherilyn's already said a few things that has my head spinning, and really some condemning things that just has me thinking. But anyway, we'll move on. And um, I, I already feel convicted, Sherilyn, and and I, I've got some homework to do. As you've you've already given us some some assignments already. As I think about some of the work that we have to do in the black community when it comes to pro-life. How long have you been pro-life all your life? No. So I didn't even know there was a pro-life pro-choice thing. Um, I made an uh, abortion choice at 15 and then again in my late twenties. And so I had no idea that there was Roe versus Wade. I had no, idea. and I was in the DC area in my late twenties. Um, and by then I knew what I was doing was wrong. But I felt like I had no other choice, and which many women feel like. And so it wasn't until after that choice where I really, the Lord really began to convict me on, you know, not knowing the truth, really, and helping women know the truth. Once I joined um, a pregnancy center, I was the director of development of a pregnancy center in Southern Maryland. Um, and even then, they never talked about pro-choice, pro-life, the March for Life, not, none of that, Roe versus Wade, none of that. And so when I moved back to Ohio, I became the executive director of the pregnancy center here. That is when I began to hear more of the rhetoric. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> like, I, I'm on a side, you know, <laughs> like I, I just never, I just never crossed my mind that this was something that people, you know, were trying to undo that, you know, I just thought we were just helping women you know, um, and through the decision making process and, you know, helping them hear the baby's heartbeat and like that's helping give diapers and formula like that's all I just thought we were doing um, until I started going to conferences and hang out with a little bit more pro-life people where I was like, oh, there's us versus them. You know, and I had to ask myself that question, like, am I pro-life? Like, because I felt like the baby in the womb had life had life had value and deserved to be born. You know, but did that mean that I felt like because at that time it was handed to me like pro-life people feel like abortion should be illegal. And I was like, do I think that? Do I think that? And I feel like I sh that was one of those th thorns in my side that the Lord allowed me to keep all the way up until June of this year, because I just couldn't get in the weeds of whether I felt like there's so much work to be done <laughs> that I just like, I, I just can't, I feel like I can't feel, take time processing whether or not it should be legal or illegal when it's happening right now, right? And we need to help these women that is happening right now. Um, and so when I, you know, started thinking about what that meant for me as a Black woman and the abortion numbers in the Black community, I really kind of set my sights on figuring out why women are making the choice in the first place and helping to solve that problem. And so again, the idea of whether it being legal or illegal just never really became my talking point. So 
I became pro-life kind of like through like evolving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that seems to be a common, common thread. That's all right. I should say that's not uncommon when you, when you talk to people in the movement. Um, so one important thing though, that I do know about you is when, uh, you talk about pro-life, it's about much more than just the abortion issue, isn't it? Yes. I believe that again, it's circular. And so the circle of life, you know, from birth to natural death, um, all life should have value and dignity and be honored. And so I don't believe that any life should be taken. Um, and that consistency, like, I didn't even know there was a word like consistent life ethic. I learned about that again later on. Like, I just thought that was like normal. Um, <laughs> but for me, I've always just loved people. I've loved relationships and, you know, regardless if I, I knew them for 10 minutes or for 10 years, I could just see value in everybody I've met, no matter their history, no matter, I just saw such immense value. Um, and so the idea of death, um, like unwarranted death, someone dying on, at the hands of someone else, just literally makes me sick to my stomach. It makes me want to cry. So I'm like, what type of person do you have to be? And again, this is me. I'm, two-time abortion choice, um, like what type of person do you have to be to do something like this? And so being able to wrestle with that with myself and understand that people get put in situations that make them feel like it's either me or, it's either me or you, whether that's the person standing in front of them, right? Threatening their life, entering their home or the baby in the womb, right? It becomes my life or your life at some point in time. And so those are the circumstances that I tend to wrestle with. Other circumstances, you know, I'm just like, it's just wrong. <laughs> but I understand the wrestling and the, you know, trying to wrestle in those situations. But for me, just life in general, like this creation, you know, we are the image bearers of God. Like you are literally taking the life of an image bearer of God. Like God has created each and every one of us and we look like him. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, that just always meant so much that everyone has value. You're, you're passionate about caring for the mother, caring for birth, you know, and then after the, after the, the birth itself, making sure that mother and child are cared for and that those systems are in place uh, for equity and things like that. You're very passionate about all those things, aren't you? Yes, very, very much. Trying to get trying to get our communities back to a place where we're villages and not so individualistic um, is really like at the core of what we do because that's where we I feel like we've lost it, right? We've we've become the society of rights, focused on our rights, you know, and as believers, we are focused on servitude, right? We're supposed to be focused on serving our neighbor and helping our neighbor. And, you know, if this thing does not, is not going to help our neighbor, is not healthy for our neighbor, or helpful for our neighbor, this is not something that I should want to do. Um, and so getting us back to that place of how, how do we formulate communities um, that see themselves as a village, you know, instead of just these individual people kind of moving throughout their day is the, at the core. And we just recently, over the last couple of months, started getting to policy review and, you know, being um, advocates to finding out what policy is being brought to the floor that is, you know, more pro-family um, and helpful. But how do we how do we have pro-family values without leaving out the single mom, right? So like all, all of those things and just kind of having an opportunity to 
to be a um, fly on the wall of those conversations to kind of learn where we at Pro Black Pro Life are able to contribute in those conversations in the best way possible um, and to to continue to be advocates for our communities that tend to be get lost in the shuffle. All right, Sherilyn, we just got a couple of minutes left. So um, as we wrap things up, I want you to finish this statement for me. For the pro-life movement to gain ground in the Black community, we must what? Trust Black people. All right. For us, for the pro-life movement to gain ground in the Black community, we must trust Black people by, how do we do that? Allowing them to speak life into their community. Trusting them enough that they can speak life into their community. Um, I do. I honestly feel like there's this overarching fear like, I don't know what they're going to say. <laughs> um, or, you know, if they don't say X, Y, and Z, we don't want them to have the microphone. And a lot of it is political. Um, and so trusting the message, right? Like we have created messaging for the overall pro-life community. We have created messaging for the woman who's seeking abortion but what we have found through research is that those messages are falling on deaf ears when it comes to black community. And they're through research, they're the ones who need it the most because we don't see things the same way. But even when we talk about imagery, like, you know, I'm proud prior employee of Choose Life Marketing. <laughs> you know, we talk about this imaging of mom and baby. Like, you know, we don't want pictures of mom and baby. It's very different in the black community. Images of mom and baby actually have a positive response um, because it, it, it sparks something. It sparks mem a memory. It sparks an emotion in them. And so it's very different. And because we, when we lean on these numbers, when we lean on this data, we're, we're pulling from an overall number, right? Not this 13%. That's not what we see. But when it comes to things like messaging, if we're going to market our message to the Black community, it needs to look different. And this idea, Scott, this idea that everything has to be homogenous, right? In order for us to, you know, forget about race, everything has to be homogenous. Nobody can be treated differently. It's absurd. It's absurd because we've been treated differently for so long that the difference not is not bad. Like this idea that it's bad is where I feel like we're falling short. We we are all different. We all come from different, you know, the black community is not a monolith. We are all different. Um, but this idea that in order to be anti-racist or to create, you know, a, a society that, do, that uh, doesn't see racism in everything, we have to see racism in everything. Like that's how we get there. And so we have to see the differences that are happening in the black community and handle those in that way, as opposed to trying to do everything the same. Sherilyn Holloway, ProBlackProLife.com. What a pleasure. Thanks for coming on, dear Jane. Thanks for having me. Soul Global is a nonprofit ministry on a mission to support and protect the value and dignity of human life through providing training, education, counseling, community awareness, support, and access to programs that save lives. Through their Soul Care program, they provide a complimentary online platform that enables a church or nonprofit organization to have an initial voice in the cause for life. 
Their program also includes training to equip staff, church leaders, or volunteers with counseling and life-affirming education skills. If you would like to help reduce the 56 million abortions happening around the world every year, please visit soulglobal.org. That's S-O-H-L global.org. In this edition of People You Should Know, we introduce you to Rich Bennett, President and CEO of Life Network in Colorado Springs. Operating a pro-life ministry in a state with some of the least restrictive abortion laws in the country does present its own set of challenges, but Rich says because of abortion tourism, it also brings opportunity. Uh, You know, as more people are looking to Colorado, a state like Colorado, it has increased opportunities for us too, not because we provide abortion, but we because we provide alternatives to abortion. And if somebody is truly processing all of their choices, uh, we're a part of that decision-making process if, if we do it right. As a result, Life Network's impact is being felt beyond Colorado's borders. What's resulted for us is we're getting the opportunity to be a bit of a regional ministry in terms of talking to individuals by phone who are in Texas, who are in Oklahoma, who are in Wyoming, who are in surrounding states and getting the opportunity to minister by phone and sometimes even uh, in person. When someone reaches out to Life Network, Rich says they're able to connect them with resources in their hometown. We are. And sometimes that even starts on the phone call. Uh, You know, if somebody's in the state of Texas and they are open to having an in-person appointment, we're not going to say drive nine hours to Colorado Springs. Um, you know, there are great resources online that we, we can quickly get them referred to the closest center that provides medical care, uh, which includes a no-cost ultrasound. We're going to look and see, do they provide no-cost STD testing and treatment? And the same is true for somebody who crosses state lines. We get the opportunity to see them. They do choose to parent we're immediately going to look for a referral source. Rich says the women and men who come into Life Network are usually surprised by the acceptance and love they receive as soon as they walk through the door. Certainly we have some that are are a little bit skeptical, a little bit um, have bought some of the the lies that are out there about um, being expected to be judged. Um, and you see it in, in the in the sweet reviews that play back on Google, for example, where we have over 400 client reviews. And sometimes there's almost this surprise tone of, I was so glad not to be met with uh, guilt and uh, being shamed, uh, but instead saw nothing but care and compassion. Of course they did. That's what we do. Rich says changes in the post-Dobbs world present challenges to pregnancy resource centers, but those challenges also include opportunities like the one seen at Life Network. There are opportunities beyond our borders that God is using for such a time as this uh, to, to reach people that we had no idea we would be able to reach. My thanks to Sherilyn Holloway from Pro Black Pro Life for joining us on this episode of Dear Jane. She said some thought-provoking things. You don't have to agree with everything she said, but you do need to understand that we need to come alongside people like Sherilyn if we're going to build momentum in the pro-life movement. Anyone with a voice in the movement needs to come alongside the Sherilyns of the world and lift them up if we're going to succeed. Yes, there might be areas where we disagree, but it's high time we get over those things. Too often we choose to get stuck there 
and the pro-life movement suffers because of it. Passionate people like Sherilyn Holloway or Sisters for Life may find themselves unpopular in their communities because of their pro-life stance. They need support from the pro-life community, not side glances. That Sherilyn would say she's been treated better by the pro-choice community than people in the pro-life community should make us all take a good look in the mirror tonight. I'm Scott Baker. Thank you for listening to Dear Jane. Dear Jane is a production of the Choose Life Coalition. Find out more at ChooseLifeCoalition.com.